Life Community is located in Gilbert, Arizona. You can learn more about us on our website at lifecommunityaz.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you are here. I'm glad you're online. And um, I was, Jamie corrected herself. She said, all the gentlemen that can come and help move furniture. And I said, wait a minute, women can move furniture too. We don't want to discriminate. And we get some of our age, women can move furniture better than us old guys can. So anyway, so I come, I plan to be there to uh, uh, pray blessings over everyone and move a chair or two. <laughs> it's really funny. For those of you that have got a few years on you, it's remember the day I used to lift half of everything. And now I start to lift something. People say, Pastor, Pastor, here, we'll take that. And, uh, and I'm always kind of glad they do. Anyway, I'm in a series uh, that you're made for more. Uh, there's, uh, I want to... I, some things I want to say today and some uh, things I want to say next week and then we'll go on to something else. But, you know, during the, the holiday season, people say, Happy New Year. And I, and I wish people Happy New Year and people do that to me. But the truth is, I think I've got some information, some content, some things that will give you a truly happy new year. Because if you just keep on doing the same old things that you did before, if you had a bad 2021, guess what? You're going to have a bad 2022, and it doesn't get better just because you get older, trust me. And so in my little series that I've been doing, we start out with the, the people that need to be known. And everybody's got that. The, the people need to be, you used to call it fame, but people don't talk about fame anymore. They talk about followers, they talk about likes, they talk about social media and all that kind of stuff. To be the VIP, very important person. And then we talked about those people with the disease to please. There are some people that are absolutely crippled because they gotta think they have to keep everybody happy and make everybody like them all the time and they just can't stand the fact that somebody doesn't like them and that's, I think it's a disease to please. We talked about that, you can go online and get it. We talked about the perils of perfectionism, talked about that last week and people who are just perfectionists and can never be happy with themselves or anybody else Talked about the spiritual roots of that stuff, but I'm not going to re-preach that because it's a pretty good sermon if I can say so myself. But today, I'm going to talk about your comfort zone. It's so cute. It's, it, you know, it, people's comfort zone, they say your greatest fear, it's a lot of people, your greatest fear is public speaking. And I'm saying, are you kidding me? My greatest fear is spiders. <laughs> no deep roots here. I just don't like spiders and and my wife likes them, and uh, so, but anyway, we, we work it out, but my comfort zone, and so the, it's, it's uh, the truth of it is, when we're chasing things, other things, more than we follow the Lord, they really become idols to us, and I think for a lot of people, your comfort zone has become, I don't want to say it, like a God to you, because it limits you, it directs your life, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor, that's out of my comfort zone, in the old days, you're, you're, Fear of public speaking was the number one. And in the old days of church, we used to have people, when they're brand new to church, stand up, introduce themselves. So we made people face their worst fears first time in church. So we're not going to do that to you. And so we don't do that anymore. But I tell you, when, it, when the fear, uh, when your comfort zone directs your life, your life gets really stale because you basically just repeat over and over and over the same kind of routine that you have at the school and actually at the church here for the leadership team that we do, uh, we do a thing called the DISC, D-I-S-C. Anybody ever heard of that? It's, uh, the, it's a personality profile, and it helps you understand how you're kind of wired, and it's, it's not good or bad. But you know, when I did the DISC test, I realized that Jesus and I matched. <laughs> Denial is one of my strengths, too. <laughs> anyway, 
And so in the disc, there's the D, which we call the driver. And that's the, uh, and their number one fear is loss of control. So if you're a D person, I don't think you're a dominant. And I tell you, your number one fear is probably of loss of control. The I is the influencer. And they're the ones that are the life of the party. They're the ones with the lampshade on their head at the New Year's Eve party and all that kind of stuff. Always telling jokes, always laughing, all that kind of stuff. And their number one fear is social rejection. If you don't like it, they've, they've got a lot of problems, and they've got to get over that. And then the S is the steady ones, is the consistent ones. And, and their greatest fear is lack of security or change. They say that 67% of the world are S's. Right. And uh, so when they say change, you say, no! Yeah. Now, the influencer never met a change he didn't like, because that's just, that's just how they're wired. So the steady is the, is the S's. They don't like uh, their security threatened. They don't like change. And then there's the C, the conscientious. And they're the ones that it's just got to be right. How many you know a lot of musicians are, are the C's? Because when you're playing the guitar or the drums, how many you know not just any note will do? It's got to be exactly the right note. Those of us that say, oh, that's close. That, that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it really does matter. And if you don't think it matters, have me lead worship sometime, and you'll know that it really does. And so those are the greatest fears of those kind of people. And so sometimes they do all kinds of measures to maintain control, not to get rejected, to keep things just like they are, or to be, uh, and, and the fear of the seas is to be criticized, to be underappreciated. And uh, that's, that's uh, and so we live in a world really and truly where there's fake vacations. You know there's companies you can send your pictures to and they'll Photoshop them in to this fabulous vacation going down to Colorado in, the, in, the, in Egypt while you're looking at the pyramids. They'll put your face in all kinds of pictures. You can post it online and say, wow, what a wonderful vacation we had in Norway. And there you are. And so we got just, I mean, and great social media, I'm not against any of it, but it's just great that you can project whatever it is you want to project. It may be true, it may be not true. It's the counterfeit lie. And so, to, but for Christians to believe that all of life is to be comfortable and stay within your comfort zone, I think it's incredibly destructive. I think it's very limiting. And so today I want to help us to grow out, grow your comfort zone, some of it. You're wired like you're wired, and God made you that way, so you're not going to completely change. But to outgrow your comfort zone while you maintain who you really are. We all desire ease more than we do struggle. That's why I save my money. So in the case I have an emergency, I have money saved, and I can pay my bill or fix the car, whatever it is is needed. And so there's nothing wrong with ease, but at what cost does that ease come to you? And so John, this is the book of John. Now, John, when he's an old, old man, he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so look what he says. It's there in your bulletin in 1st John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, Wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. Now, John is not saying hate the world and those sinners and those ungodly people and those unchurched people. He's not saying no, no, no. He said there's a system to the world. And if you fall in love with that system, if you fall in love that life is meant to be ease, then you've, you're buying into a system that's just not, it'll separate you from your Father. The desire to be, uh, to have, to have more, to have it all. 
the desire to look really important. He said it'll squeeze out the love of the Father and it won't do anything for you. So John says, don't love the world and its system and it's the wrong paradigm and this place uh, uh, expectations. The world system says, if you're doing well, everything's easy. If you're successful, things are fine. And if you're having a hard time, what's wrong with you? And you need to show, at least to portray, uh, that you're having a good time and that things are always wonderful. And I think it's a destructive path. And I want to embrace the God of all comfort as my source of all comfort. Embrace the God of all comfort, scripture says that, as my source of comfort. I don't wanna make my source of comfort just the easiest path out of this deal, just the easiest way out. It, it's, a, it's a copy of the real, I think it's a counterfeit. Romans 12, two says the same kind of thing. He says, don't become so well adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So he says, don't, let, don't get so enculturated with, a, with the world that you fit right in without even thinking about it. Now, that's what I want to do this morning. I would like for you to think about some things that maybe we drift into a system that, we, uh, that is not going to produce anything for us. And so I've got four points here. And the first one, number one, it's in your bulletin. Learn to embrace discomfort. What? Learn to embrace discomfort. See, the first battle is the unrealistic expectations. Hey, this is hard. <laughs> yes. I didn't think it'd be, right. it'd be hard. How I many know if you're raising kids, it's hard? <laughs> Don't raise your hand on this next one because you do have to go. How I many know if you're married, you've got problems? <laughs> the Apostle Paul says it's great to get married, but just know if you have getting married, you're going to have troubles in the flesh. And you thought you married the wrong one. No, you married exactly the right one. How many know you're going to be in business? I think it's so funny. Well, if I just had my own business, then things would be easy. Then if I could be the boss, God bless you. It's, it's the, uh, you know, when people say, what's the matter? I always say, nothing. Nothing's the matter. Life is hard. This is not heaven. This is earth. A guy told me one time, and it's so true, he says, if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it were easy, everybody would do it. Look what John, uh, Jesus said in John 16, 33. I've told you these things, so in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have problems. You will have troubles. He said, I'm telling you these things, so when they happen, you're not saying, oh! No, successful people have problems. Turn to somebody and say, I'm really successful, but I got lots of problems. <laughs> See, and, and so, so Paul tells Timothy, and this is he, Paul's the aged apostle, talking to this young pastor who's Timothy, and he's trying to help him. And, and really and truly, Paul's getting ready to be beheaded. He's getting ready to end the scene, and he's trying to tell young Tim everything he can to try to help him because he's not going to be around forever to, to hold his hand, as it were. And he says in, in chapter 4, verse 5, keep your head in all situations. He says, when everything falls apart, when everything's going to hell, when everything just, he says, keep your head. Don't lose your marbles. Just settle down. And then he says, endure hardship. What? Yes. Embrace hardship. In the verse before, Paul says, join with me in suffering. 
like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you think, what a crazy invitation. Okay, put it on a billboard. Okay, folks, on Tuesday night, we will have a suffering class where you can all go and we'll tell you what snakes you really are and how you can suffer. How many know nobody's going to go to that? Pastor, I'm just out of my comfort zone. I would like to go and tell how pretty I am. Well, that's good. I'm, so he says, he says it's a strange, I think it's a strange invitation. Join with me. He said, would you like to join me, Timothy, in suffering as a good soldier? So it's, it's a matter of embracing. 1 Peter 4.12, what a great verse. This is Peter, now follower of Jesus. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to us, to you. Don't look at it and say, wow! I think a lot of energy is lost in trying to figure out who messed up. Whose fault is this? And I want to know, and I want to know, does it matter? I think it's a generational thing because his father and his grandfather and his great-grandmama on his mother's side, they all did that. I think it's generational. So all kinds of time, well, there's deep spiritual roots, and they did this, and they did this. Who's ever done anything just stupid? <laughs> yeah, there was no deep roots to it. you just dumb. Who's ever had any kids do anything stupid? Well, that's the father's fault. Well, that's the mother's fault. You can spend lots of energy doing that kind of stuff. And Peter says, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come upon you. See, everybody thought, well, I thought that when I got to whatever level it is, I wouldn't have any more problems. Well, you thought wrong. That's not how life works. And that's what Peter says. James says it in, in, in a kind of a different way. Oh, I think much energy is lost. Okay, number two, learn to grow through it. Not just go through it, grow through it. Somebody said, if you're going through hell, keep moving. Don't stop. If you're going, learn to grow through some things. Not just go through some things. Some people just go around and around and around and go through the same thing over and over, but they never grow through it. They never grow out of it. You ever tried to pick up a wet watermelon seed? You get it on the counter and you pinch it, yip, and it shoots out. You got to go there, yip, and it shoots out. That's the way it is the Lord with, with the Lord with us. Sometimes he just gets it in the right spot and he's ready to do something. Yip, we shoot off to some other place. <laughs> well, it's true. I don't know if it's good preaching or not. Somebody said it was great worship. Pastor, you're going to have to up your game. So I know what to say. <laughs> So, it's, it's, it's so, so James, this is the brother of Jesus, not a disciple. He thought Jesus had a little too much religion, and so he's not, he wasn't a follower until the resurrection, and Jesus is crucified in front of them all, and one of the guys he appears to at, after the resurrection was James. How many of you know that'll turn a believer into you? Your brother is saying he's the son of God. You're not going to believe that. When he rises from the dead, uh, you become a follower. And this is James. He says, dear brothers, when trouble comes your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, guys, what goes on a lot of times is we don't get to where we want to get because we just have no grit, no stick to itiveness, nothing that keeps you hanging in there. And so he says, when these things happen, they're developing something in you 
uh, and things, we call it grit. Jesus tells a parable of the, the sower went out to sow, and he takes the first seed and he throws it along the, the pathway, and the birds eat it, nothing happens out of it. The second seed, it falls in where there's rocks, where there's not been any uh, dirt work done. And it springs up quickly that when the sun comes and it gets hot, it quickly fades because it has no root in itself. And I think sometimes we're not successful at things because we have no root in ourselves. Because when trouble comes, whoop, you're gone. When things get difficult, you, you slip out. And so God has to rework the whole situation just to bring you back to where he wants you. See, and then, then verse 4, James says, so let it do its work. What is it? It is problems. Let them do their work. There's a plan in here so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Let these problems you're encountering, and I don't like them either. I'm not going to say, hot dog, problem. No, no, they, 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 Lord, I know you can do something here, but let them do their perfect work in you so that you might be mature. You might develop some grit that you might be able to keep on going, knowing and not deficient in any way. See, Romans 5.3 says we can rejoice when we run into problems. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Where confident hope of salvation comes from is a strengthened character. See, I think sometimes people get discouraged and they quit too fast. They quit too soon. Well, I've been doing this for several months now. Keep it up. Keep doing the right thing. Because you will reap a harvest if you don't get discouraged and quit. Some people change their plan, change their goals, change their missions. Just every, like changing your shirt. It's just always something new. Always something new. And they never give God enough time and planning to see it out. To see it work out. If you're going to do a business, it's going to take some time to get that thing rolling. Well, I thought it'd be easier. Well, it's not. See, obstacles can be opportunities for God to show up and show off. Hebrews 11, you read Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith chapter, and you read of Abraham, Moses, Enoch, uh, Isaiah, all those guys in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith, and not one single one, everyone was given huge tasks to do. Lead millions of people out of, the, out of Egyptian bondage. Huge tasks to do. And guys, and not one of them had a comfortable life. Now, I'm not trying to make life a bummer, but if you're going to accomplish anything worthwhile, you're going to have to face some of your fears and get over it. You're going to have to outgrow some of those limitations. Outgrow some of those things that people criticized you and this and that. I, I don't doubt that any of that happened, but you ha I want you to be more than, you're made for more than that. You are made for more than that. Success is hard, and it takes time. I think necessity births creativity. When I was talking to the guys at Liberty Market and they said that they were going to remodel and expand and all this, I and, uh, thought about it a week or two and I went back and I said, Dave, this stuff isn't worth anything to you if you're going to get all new furniture. 
use booths don't mean anything to anybody. And I already measured our lobby off, and I knew they would fit with us. And so I said, uh, uh, would you donate them to Life Community? We'll, how many know we give tax receipts? So if anyone would like to don't know, we give tax receipts. And I said, that may be worth more to you than used furniture. And I really think that came out of when you're raised poor. Who's ever been raised poor? And you see something that has value. And you're not saying, oh, pitch it out. No, 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 no. We can repurpose that. We can reuse that. And I think being raised that way gives you some perspective is that uh, this is not just an Albertson's building. It can be repurposed and used as a church. Yeah, and an amazing school. I didn't want to say that, but I, I'll go ahead. <laughs> Thanks for the cue. I, I'll give you $10 later. <laughs> See, you develop a better mousetrap. And that is fed sometimes out of difficult situations, not poverty, not, not terrible things, but sometimes it's fed. And if you curse that time of your life, I think you can miss what God is really trying to do for you. Takes me to number three. Now, this is the great one. Learn to share the sufferings of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about trying to win your salvation and do enough to be saved. None of us can do that. We talked about that last week. I'm not trying to win God's approval. But I think it's an invitation to be a participator, not just a spectator. Somebody said of pro football, it's 11, 22 men, on each, 11 on each side, in desperate need of rest, watched by 60,000 fans in desperate need of exercise. You can have your favorite team wear their jersey, and if you get close enough, security will throw you out. But to become a participator, and not just a spectator, to become a partner with God. See, Philippians 3, Paul is nearing the end of his life, and he says, oh, that I might know Christ in the power of his resurrection. Everyone says, yay, the power of his resurrection, resurrection life, you know, yay. That's, he says, and, 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 and. A participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, if so, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul wasn't hoping, oh, I hope when the rapture comes, I'm going to go, hoping the resurrection comes. He says, no, no, there's something in the life of Jesus that I want to be a participator in. And I can't do that if I'm only taking his resurrection and the good stuff. He said, I want to embrace the sufferings of Christ too. You can't die for your own sins. That's already been done. You can't shed your blood for your sins or anybody else's. That's already been done. But Paul says, I want to get a hold of that life of Jesus, that I might know him in, in, in his resurrection for sure, but also be united with him, participate with him, be identified with him in his sufferings. Because there's something in the life of Jesus when you're giving yourself See, Paul in another place says, he said, it's life in you and death for me. It's me participating in Christ's death, but it brings you life. You wonder what he's talking about. If you've ever raised kids, you know exactly what he's talking about. You do without so they can have what they need. You live on less, with less, so that they can have what you need. That's the joy of ministry is that the life of Jesus so lives in us that it's life for you. 
his death, his resurrection. And if you'll let it, it'll bring a life to you that'll help your entire world. Look what else he goes on to say in, in, um, in 1 Peter chapter 4. And so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, Peter is saying, this kingdom is going somewhere. We're going somewhere. This is not just a matter of reliving life and doing the best you can. He says, no, his glory is revealed. You're going to be revealed with him. He says, that's why we participate in the sufferings of Christ. Paul said it in Colossians 1. He said, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. See, suffering for Christ is what I'm talking about. I call it taking one for the team. Is that I can absorb somebody's anger. God, and I'll tell you what. And, oh, sure, take, a, take your best shot. And I'm not going to retaliate against you. I'm not going to down you. I'm not going to badmouth you. I'm going to absorb your pain. That maybe God didn't do what you thought he ought to do. Maybe the church is not what you thought it ought to be, and they're a bunch of hypocrites, and they're a bunch of blah, blah, whatever. Sure, take your best shot here, bud. I can absorb that. It's so easy to retaliate when people in their, their, their moronic meanderings are just talking, and it's so easy to say, you're an idiot. No, 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 I understand where you're coming from. Wow, that's an interesting thought. Doesn't mean you agree but it means you absorb their sins. And when people are not as faithful as they ought to be, when they don't do quite what they said they were going to do, and they didn't do this and they didn't do that, there's grace given. There's mercy given. Because that's what Jesus would do. And I believe he's looking for a church that can absorb that without retaliation, without making someone feel worse about themselves than they already feel. As you absorb that as the sufferings of Christ. I'm not talking about just living as a doormat. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But when people aren't as what they ought to be, instead of saying, you know, God will never bless you because I, rah, rah, no, no, you can absorb that. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin. This thing's killing you, sweetheart. Go and sin no more. See, Jesus said it, well, if you try to hang on to this life, you're going to lose. But if for my sake you'll give yourself, then you'll find your life. Paul said it's a trustworthy statement. If we die with him, we will live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. So we can participate in the sufferings of Christ when it's really kind of tough and people haven't lived up to what you thought or they thought they should do. Number four, learn to embrace. This is not your best life now. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not taking a shot at Joel Osteen. He wrote a wonderful book, Your Best Life Now. This is not a shot at him. He's, he's helped all kinds of people. But the truth is, this is not your best life now. This life for me is not the time and certainly not the place for my best life. 
uh, in social media, I know they you know, got to post your best life now and, and how wonderful you are and pretty and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. I'm hoping that. But see, the truth is God put eternity in our hearts. Come on. He's put something there, and there is a longing for something more. And I think what a tragedy it would be to fill it with anything else but Jesus. Whether it be building a ministry or building a business or building money or building whatever, what a tragedy it would be for that eternity that he's put within every heart to fill it with a counterfeit, with comfort, or with ease. Romans, uh, Romans 8, Paul is nearing the end. <laughs> and he, look what he says in, in verse 18 of Romans 8. There is no comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Another translation says, I don't consider the, present, the, the, the sufferings of this present world to be compared to the glory that's been revealed in us. Amen. He says, there is no comparison to what problems, and I, and, and, and I know it's tough, and I know they let you down, and I know, I know, I know, I don't consider the present hard times to compare with the good times ahead. The world created, the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. He said, not just us believers, the whole, the whole creation. Verse 20, everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. He said, God is up to something. And all the creation, all the creatures are waiting for the glorious times ahead. It's just so funny that at the appointed time, God sent his son to a virgin to be born under the law. At the appointed time, when everything was set just like God wanted it, are you kidding me? Israel hadn't had a prophet in 400 years. They were under Roman domination. The, the religious system, the priests, no offense, they were corrupt. They had formed alliances with, with, with Rome, and it was a corrupt. And God says, ah, it's perfect. When things were just right, he sends Jesus into that. And Paul says the whole world is waiting and waiting. And we said, oh, my God, it's going to hell. No, it's not. God says, I planned this day. And Paul says the whole creation, he goes on to say in verse 22, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. He says this whole world going through what it's going through. He said it's simply birth pangs of the glorious kingdom that he's about to reveal. When the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, that he will reign forever. Oh, but what about the, the Democrats, Republicans? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Pick a side, sure, and switch sides if you'd like to. Fine. God's kingdom is so much beyond, beyond above all of that kind of stuff. Amen. That he says, man, the earth is in childbirth. It's, it's birth pangs. And the worse it gets, those of you ladies that have born children, some, you know, the first time, is, was, was that a labor pain or just, just a, a kick? How many of you know when labor sets on hard, you're not wondering if it's labor or a kick? Right. You know, oh, it's coming! <laughs> Never, it's a whole other story, but it's just, it's just, uh, it's, 
Yes, it's labor pains, bud. Because God himself, who is, controls it all, is getting the whole world ready at the right time to develop and establish his kingdom. See, I think your setback becomes a divine setup. Your misery really becomes your ministry. You become a healed healer because you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and you understood that God was there and he helped you. He hadn't abandoned you. When you'd kind of done some things you had not to do, but God didn't abandon you. You become a voice to people in desperate need of the grace of God and the power of God, what he can do in their life because what he's done in your life. The most valuable things in my life are the result of God's presence in the middle of my pain. The most valuable things that God ever does in my life is a result when he was there with me in the middle of my deepest pain. Musicians, come on up. We're going to wrap it up. Corinthians says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Next verse goes on to say, but his spirit has revealed him to us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's not entered into the heart things that God has prepared for those who love him. You take it out of the future realm and you bring it into today's realm. I never dreamed that I would be pushing 70 years old and be able to pastor people like you. People like you watching online that I would ever be the president of anything, much less a charter school. 2,300 students reaching and reaching and reaching. That couldn't be conceived to me. Had it entered into my, my, I couldn't see it, couldn't hear it, never thought about that kind of stuff. And I think God's prepared things for you. Maybe you're in the middle of a mess right now and you can't see anything. He's still preparing things for you. He's not done with you. He's not angry. He's ready to do wonderful things for you. And I think trying to fulfill an eternal longing with temporary comfort leads to an empty life. He's put eternity here, guys. And trying to fulfill that eternal longing with temporary comfort where you're not willing to face the tough issues maybe they're right before you the sacrifices that you know you need to step up and do I tell you it'll lead to an empty life it'll lead to a counterfeit life and I'm not saying you're saying you would send a counterfeit vacation to the people who create those but it's almost like living a shell and you were made for more than that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, for those of us that are here this morning, those of us that are watching online or whenever they see this, God, you chose us. You called us to yourself. And at some point, Lord, it's hard to imagine that we are champions. But Lord, that's what you've made us to be. So, Lord, I bless these people in your name. Jesus, strong name.